Good morning. Good morning. It is a joy to be here with you. And after I started preparation for this morning's message, I realized why Pastor Kirk wanted to trade out with me and go to Springbank, and then he ended up not going to Springbank because of things that came up. And this preparation for this morning's message was one of those soul-searching struggles and trying to pull together a few words that will be of encouragement and to look at sin. <laughs> I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand, but looking at sin is the beginning of seeing the light of Jesus Christ that will illuminate all that we do and say for the rest of our lives as the followers of Jesus. And yes, I ask the question, is it, is it easy to recognize sin in our own way of thinking and the choices that we make and I will confess to you from my perspective and my outlook that it's much easier for me to see the sin in other people. Somebody wave their hand or wave them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot easier to see others' faults and their struggles than to look at our own. Now, I look out amongst all of you and I know that we are the crowd that has attended church for years and years. And, you know, if you're a, new to the Christian faith of less than five or ten years, raise your hand. Less than five years. No hands. Okay. So we know what sin looks like, don't we? I even brought a red velvet cake that I was not tempted to eat this morning for breakfast to show you that I even know what sin tastes like. <laughs> I'm going to put this down here. Uh, and yes, if it disappears, I will pray for you. <laughs> and it will be a prayer of thanksgiving because a few of you realize from that I fight uh, blood sugar. And so uh, I'm... Keep praying for me because I'm not on medicine yet. So blood sugar is always something we have to worry about. Yes, we can become judges. And as we think about David, David, the shepherd boy who writes the Psalms to soothe King Saul, King David struggles. There's, it's all, it's like civil war. And, and when Nathan said to King David, you're the man, it was not a good thing. I know that we go around saying, oh, you're the man, you're the man. We get, how many of you enjoy hearing that once in a while? I enjoy hearing that once in a while. Uh, but here Nathan is using it in, a, in an extremely... David sees his sin. Now, we have to take sin seriously. But it's contrary to my nature 
to not interject some kind of a smile. We go to churches for we go to church and to worship for a lot of reasons. I enjoy music. Uh, I hope all of you enjoyed. I sing the song of the saints of God. If you didn't enjoy it, by the time you've heard it three or four times, you will. Especially that part about the one that got ate by a fierce wild beast. One of my favorite lines. We can be consumed by Satan. We can be consumed by our own lust and sin and, and those choices that we make. But I'm going to share a story with you that's legendary and it's from the mountains of Kentucky. And if you've heard it before, I want you to hold up fingers for like you've heard it one other time, two times, three times. That was what we did with my father-in-law, uh, Jim Donahoe, back in the day. When he started to tell a story for the fourth time, we would all, sitting around the table at Thanksgiving, we'd hold up four fingers. He still told the story, and that was the way it was. You see, there was a crew of painters, and they were working hard, and it was Saturday afternoon. And the crew of painters were painting a church and the pastor was there and the chairman of the trustees was there because this is an old timey United Methodist story of course I wouldn't share anything else with it this is not a Baptist story at least not that they were painting they had the boom truck way up high on the steeple they had all the paint mixed they were spraying and it was beautiful white it's Saturday afternoon, and off in the distance, what do they see? Somebody tell me what they see. What's coming? Rain and storm is coming. And they run low on paint. They run low on paint. So the lead painter dilutes the paint with some brush cleaner, and they keep spraying. <laughs> And then they hear the thunder. Then they see the lightning. They, they lower their boom truck. They've sprayed the last bit of paint. And they all run under the front porch of the church with the pastor and the chairman of the trustees. And the rain comes. And they look at the drain pipes coming out. And the paint is being washed right off the church. The lead painter goes over to the edge of the steps. The pastor goes with him, puts his hand on his shoulder, on his back. And the lead painter cries out to the cloud, Oh Lord, what do I do? There was one of those thundering voices that very few people ever hear in their lifetimes. But that thundering voice came from the cloud. Repaint and thin no more. <laughs> one, one time. Four times. Four. <laughs> I realize that that's an old story. But repentance and going 
to sin no more is what happens with King David. Now in 2 Samuel, you, you can spend hours and days and months studying the life of David and how he struggles and how his sons his sons want to take over uh, the whole of the people of Israel are struggling there's, there's all kinds of civil war and strife between families is this one on too? it's on too it's the only one on how many can hear as much as you want to hear <laughs> Hey, Jim, Jim, check, check your, is, it, is there a green light on there? Is there a green light? No, it's a red light. Well, you need, oh, a red light. Yeah. <laughs> All I have is a red light. Repent and sin no more. Repent and sin no more. I know I was in trouble with that. I don't know if I can stand you know, still. This is, this. this is it. This is, this is an illustration here. I'm going to infuse you with my power. I'm going to anoint you with this, with uh, a couple of my batteries, fresh batteries, and allow the Holy Spirit to take hold of you and do. <laughs> and, uh, we thought we put you put fresh batteries in it. Oh well, Trish put fresh batteries in it. I mean, paint, repaint, and send them on. Didn't lick the end. Then that gives Kurt a good reason to. Leave the room and <laughs> we've all been there, right? <laughs> what was that they say? Moving on. Nathan goes to David. David's in big trouble. The king has this this episode. He looks off the balcony. He sees a young woman named Bathsheba. Her husband is Uriah the Hittite, one of the uh, commanders, of, of probably a colonel, not a general yet. But Uriah's wife is Bathsheba. We know the story. It's a story of adultery, intrigue, pregnancy, and Uriah is, it's made, it's arranged with the military that he would lead the forefront of a, of a battle where it was, it was just one of those things where he was killed in that, in that conflict. As soon as Bathsheba, the widow who was pregnant with David's child, goes through the time of mourning, David takes her into the royal household and she becomes a part of that household. Because of the nature of that community, it became sort of public knowledge that this had all taken place. King David is now one of those giants that has fallen. And Nathan goes to him. Now, I, I tell you, Nathan could have just as easily been run through with a spear at the message he brings David. That's not David's response. Nathan.
tells the story. I'll paraphrase. He tells the story of two men. One is of a poor stature financially and has one beautiful lamb that he's raised and nurtured and is all but a pet. The other man is very wealthy and he has friends coming to visit. And the rich man has decided that he doesn't want to slaughter any of his lambs to feed the rich guy that's coming to visit. So he steals the neighbor's lamb, butchers it, and feeds it to his guest. David hears this parable and is infuriated and says, says this fellow should be put to death and have to, to, to make restitution fourfold for his crime. And that's when Nathan says to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel, and I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives into your bosom, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. If that had been too little, I would have added as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Amorites. After Nathan delivered this word from God, it included the judgment that David had already said was appropriate. David hears this, and David says to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, Now the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child that is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. We know the story. Bathsheba gives birth and the child is not well and dies. Until the child dies, David is in sackcloth, cloth, and ashes, and repents, and mourns, and grieves for the sin that he has committed, which included the death of Uriah. Now, as the baby was sick, and it passes, then he gets up. David gets up, and after an appropriate time, the Bible says, Bathsheba, his favorite, became pregnant and gave birth to a son named Solomon. A second chance. Solomon becomes the, the child of restoration for David's kingdom. 
We know, we've read, I've read through it and studied through it all week, thinking about Absalom and being his long hair caught in the, caught in the tree and how he was put to death because of his treason and civil war. These things were destroying the makeup of King David. God said, you're not going to build me a temple. That's going to happen later. And it happens with King Solomon. Because King Solomon, after all the civil war and all the strife with his brothers, eventually becomes a good king. But as with so many, the sin catches up. Today, we are a people that know about sin. We've all tasted the red velvet cake from the old home place store out on 35. We know it's homemade. We know it's good. We know the icing's made with cream cheese. I washed them! Because I live very close to there. And I go there regularly. We are a people that need to focus our lives on understanding that sin separates us from God. Sin, all those choices we make that are contrary to the teaching of the Bible, whether it be Old Testament or New. Of course, we're not under the 613 laws of the Jewish people. We are under the Ten Commandments. Jesus fulfilled all the law of sacrifice. He is the perfect sacrifice. We are the followers of Jesus. We know the difference between right and wrong. David committed crimes that most of us would just... We're appalled by the kinds of crimes he committed with the with the Bathsheba adultery incident. We're appalled by that. It worries us. It's, it's stressful. God forgives. And yes, there is consequences. In this situation, the consequences are that the baby conceived in adultery was not well and died. God knew that would happen. It was a part of God's plan in this situation. David pleaded for the child but it wasn't meant to be sad. God's forgiving grace in this situation was one of love and mercy towards David and the kingdom that David represents which are the people of Israel. David is not destroyed. The people of Israel are not destroyed. They are redeemed. They're held in high esteem. And this morning, again, as I pull this together, I want you to remember that forgiveness on our, on our handout says, bear with one another. Forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. 
so you also must forgive. That's Colossians 3.13. Paul understood through the action of the Holy Spirit in his life that we are a people that are forgiven and we are a people that forgive others. All of you have heard it said many, many times that the gift of grace from God is free. And yes, it is free. We must acknowledge and accept the gift. For many people, that's the struggle with Christianity. They search their hearts and they say, I, I, I'm, not, I'm just not sure that I want to ask God to forgive me. I'm not sure I want to accept that free gift. There, those people are all around us. They make choices every day about greed and their lust for money and power. We hear about it on the TV. We read about it in the newspaper. We know that sin is everywhere. We need to be the people of God that pray continuously that sin can be recognized and that there is a need for God because we should be forgiven. And the forgiveness of God is twofold. We're spared from the wrath to come and we are given through the Holy Spirit the ability to live life as righteous followers of Jesus. Not self-righteous, but forgiving, loving, concerned people for others. I ask you right now, as a part of this sermon, this message, I'm going to ask that as many as wish or that are able, come down and have a moment or two of prayer with me at the altar. Because we are a praying people and we are people that belong at the altar. So please join with me and then I'll have a closing prayer and we will move on from there to what's next. Please come forward. Dave, do whatever suits you. You're coming forward, and if there's not room at this altar, please kneel at a pew. Or if you're a sit-down pray person because of knee problems like me, you can sit in a pew and pray.
through a fresh awakening of our congregation and to all the others that seek to share with us. Heavenly Father, we are yours. We give thanks for King David, your forgiving grace. We give thanks for the lessons that are taught throughout the entire Old Testament and throughout the words of Paul as he teaches us to pray continuously. Lord, let that free gift of grace be accepted. I ask for all this in Jesus' name. And God's people said together.